Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. This is indeed Mornings with Carmen. I am Peter Kapsner, substituting for the day as uh, Carmen LaBerge is away on a pretty big father, uh, family gathering, from what I understand, Paul Pro, 18 other people in the Actually, same home. Actually, I misspoke, 19. 19. 19 other people. And I remember her saying yesterday when we got done with the show that uh, one of, I think it was her niece or her nephew, has strep throat. So I can't imagine yeah, like, really? being in the house at well, this okay, point. Okay, no, so. they hopefully we'll be over it by then because it was a few day, or several days ago. But still, it's like... Did that get anybody else, you know? Absolutely. Somebody else a contagion? Anyway. We'll have to check in with her on Sunday night and see how she's feeling uh, at that point. You may be back here on Monday. Indeed. Well, we're uh, Friday. It's uh, morning here at the top of second hour. That means that Adam Holtz from PluggedIn.com joins us to talk about movies and entertainment and some of the different topics of the day. And I wanted to bring in Adam a little bit early to continue the conversation we finished with last hour. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Peter. So I'm curious, we were talking with uh, Dr. Gary Stratton last hour about some of the ancient Christian writers that impacted his thinking and his views of the kingdom. Do you have any go-to writers from the past or even, you know, whether it's remote past or somewhat present past that you would say, boy, these people really impacted the way I see God's kingdom? You know, that's a, that is a terrific question. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think Augustine and his confessions, uh, there's there's a lot there. I mean, in some ways it's a very modern and self-aware look. Uh, and he did things with, you know, his sort of <clears throat> his testimony of, um, moving from a life of uh, really paganism, mm. um, in the sense that he was indulgent in everything to recognizing that none of those things were going to fill him. And I mean, I think you can just go right down through Christian history. You've got, you know, obviously Blaise Pascal picked up on some of the same ideas that there's this God-shaped hole. And, you know, it's one of those phrases that we toss around and we don't even know where it came from, you know? Yeah. Uh, But, you know, here you have this, uh, you know, philosopher, theologian who came up with this idea. Um, I know he's an existentialist, but I was really moved by a significant number of things that Kierkegaard wrote. Mm. Um, And so, I mean, I think you can go through the different ages of history. You can look at, uh, you know, Martin Luther, John Calvin, obviously the Reformation. Reformation is huge. You can go back a hundred or so years before that and Jan Hus and some of his writings. It was almost like a proto-Reformation that didn't quite take. Um, But we live in an ahistorical time. We live in a time that's of the moment, but we have thousands of years of history that predate us that shed so much light on the human condition. And so um, my daughter's been working on a Reformation project for her school. She goes to a charter school. So they're actually talking about real history, which is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Um, And it's been so much fun to talk with her about helping her understand why Martin Luther did what he did in terms of, you know, his his protest against the things that were wrong in the Catholic Church at the time as he saw it. So, yeah, I think there's there's tremendous value and it's such a rich trove of history. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as we've been talking a little bit this morning about doing theology in the public square, meaning addressing the issues of our time from the lens of scriptures and the lens of Christian history, that's what we can do in just a moment, Adam. I know you cover a lot of movies, a lot of television shows, those things that are streaming, uh, video games, that kind of thing. And to have the rich perspective of Christian history come to bear on those topics. We'll do that next as I ask you about a new movie called Gretel and Hansel, as well as some of the nominees that are being developed for some of the Christian artists in our world and what we see moving forward here in 2020. So more to come with Adam Holtz here next on Mornings with Carmen. Well, those horns officially welcome Adam Holtz into the program, who joins us each Friday in Mornings with Carmen to talk about some of the entertainment topics and issues of the day. Good morning, officially, Adam Holtz. Good morning, Peter, again. Indeed. Well, it's fun to talk a little bit about sort of the history of Christian theology and some of the way it impacts our thinking. But it's also true in movies that yeah, I wonder some of the movies of today, how they're going to impact thinking in 2030, 2040, 2050. And so it's not just through Christian history, but we can often look through entertainment history to some of those really seminal moments that defined how we see different topics in our culture. And I'd be curious your thoughts. I know my daughter just watched Breakfast Club with a friend of hers, and I know what a big deal that movie was in the 1980s. 1980s. And there's a series of movies like that, right? That still, we don't think in the same way, but it sort of pushed an idea forward that then had rippling impacts from there. That's exactly right. And, and I think that at any given moment in pop culture, um, the things that are being created by artists and creatives are doing two things. They're reflecting the values of the moment uh, and they're reinforcing the uh, different ideas. You know, they're reinforcing a particular worldview. And so over time, we see those things change. And certainly in the 80s and with The Breakfast Club, John Hughes, probably most serious movie, I think, because he was really trying to give us a portrait of, you know, there are all these different cliques of teens, and yet they're all the same in that they all in some way feel like outsiders or you know, they may not relate well to people who are different than them. Um, and I think that that is, that is certainly still true today. Uh, and yet I watched Breakfast Club a while back and and actually thought it, it felt a bit dated. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, in part because we're now living in a time where there are strong voices of support for those who are marginalized. I, I have a friend who's uh, eighth or ninth grade daughter recently identified as queer, not because she is same sex attracted, but because she sees the LGBTQ uh, population as marginalized. And so she wanted to express her solidarity with them. So and I think that that's, that's different than what we saw in the 80s. In the 80s, you know, if you were a nerd, if you were a geek, if you were different, you were fair game. And and people could mock you mercilessly. Uh, and so in some ways, uh, I, that's really changed today. Um, but again, I think pop culture, it reflects the values and it reinforces a particular worldview in, in every little pop culture artifact. And Adam, as a parent, because you have three, if, if you have three children, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, and I've got five, and I think about what you're just describing in terms of thinking about what we think about and why. Uh, is there a role for parents to sort of 
show some of these seminal movies from the 80s and 90s and maybe early 2000s that really have pushed the envelope and defined our thinking, not as a way of celebrating or some sort of initiation ritual rite of passage or something. <laughs> and, and obviously, a lot of these movies are terribly inappropriate on so many levels. But is there any teaching tool that can be done and say, hey, look, the way you're thinking about things in 2020 is sort of the natural byproduct of a progression that maybe started here or started here or the way our country began to shift? Because entertainment really does have an impact on how we think about the world. Uh, is there any role for that as parents? Oh, I think so. And I, and I think in some ways it's going to be a little bit kid dependent in that I'm not sure. Like my oldest is 13 and I think he would be like, yeah, whatever, dad. But I think <laughs> as teens get a little bit older and not just with movies, I mean, in some ways I think music is a a better barometer yeah. of the cultural moment and it's more accessible. You know, you can go back and talk about a song and say, look, this, you know, here's an example of something that was radical at the time and here's how it shifted things. I, This is a total tangent, but I heard Paradise by the Dashboard Light, you know, which came out in 1976, I believe, by Meatloaf, hmm. which basically is a song about a guy trying to talk his girlfriend into having sex in the car, right? Yeah, yep. So um, at the time, it was really rebellious. But if you look at it now, listen to it now um, – there's still an idea in that song that sex and marriage are deeply, deeply connected. Like, so even though at the time it would have been like, oh, this is, you know, terrible, uh, in retrospect, there's a, there's still a nod to a prevailing culture that is gone now. Nobody yeah. would, nobody would have that perspective today. It's just gone. Um, and so I think certainly we can, that's maybe a bizarre example and not one I would suggest using as a teachable moment, but, um, <laughs> But the stuff that comes out reflects the times, and, and there may be, I think, value in going back and thinking critically about some of those things. Yeah, for sure. I know that my wife and I were listening to 80s on 8 on Sirius XM radio with our kids uh -huh. in the van, and I thought, this is going to be great. It's going to be the nostalgia and all the wonderful music of the 80s. And we found, whether it was Prince or Madonna or whoever else, I, I thought, yeah. is every song in the 1980s about promiscuity and sex at this point? It was just, it was right. a real eye-opener that said... Oh, this was so shocking back then, and and now it's sort of become normal and tame and dated. And and I think we can learn some of that, right, Adam? In the process of saying, no, hey, this has absolutely. become this was shocking, but now it's like normal, and it's how we think about the world. Yeah, I mean, I think Tipper Gore, when she started her crusade against graphic material and music, she had a list called the Filthy Fifteen, mm. and a couple of those, if you go back and look at them, you know, there are a couple. There's a Prince song on there that I'm not going to name that still is as shocking today as it was in 1984. But there are a couple songs on that list. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? Yeah. I mean, not only are they not filthy, you wouldn't even, it wouldn't even occur to you that there was something problematic in some of those songs. Hmm. That's the voice of Adam Holtz from PluggedIn.com. And Adam, we'll take a short break. We do have some actual movies and, and entertainment things happening in the world today. So let's talk about Gretel and Hansel, as well as the new Picard a Star Trek movie, and some things that we can anticipate in the Super Bowl commercials here next on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, Welcome not back. quite the NFL. It's not know, quite they, they, the NFL. Close. Indeed, one, indeed. Yeah. Adam, are you going to watch uh, the Super Bowl this weekend? I find myself mixed about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm American. Got to watch. <laughs> I like, do you have a, a go-to snack mix of some kind that you sit back for that five-hour oh, Super Bowl man. extravaganza? I, 
whatever other people bring is just fine. Now we're going to, we have our small group usually gets together to watch it and we pay as much attention to the commercials probably as we do the game itself. And this year I don't really have a, a dog in the fight. So, you know, it's just kind of a, a cultural gathering point for us. Yeah, indeed. There is actually some uh, controversy coming up about some of the commercials, and I agree with you. I tend to be most tuned in at that point in in the match, but there's a drag queen commercial that seems to be getting some buzz. So tell us about what's happening there. Yeah, there's a a hummus brand called Sabra, Mm -hmm. which I've never heard of, but the fact that we're talking about it, I guess, means that this commercial is already successful. (laughs) Uh, And RuPaul, um, excuse me, two... um, Characters from RuPaul's Drag Race are going to be on there complaining about how helmets affect their hair. Uh, a couple of characters from Real Housewives of New Jersey, a rapper, um, and that's in the overall campaign. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, we've gotten to a cultural moment where something that was once considered way out of the mainstream is now so mainstream that we're seeing it in a Super Bowl commercial, which in some ways is sort of the definition of mainstream, right? Yeah. Well, and with that, too, there's there's so much need to sort of gain attention. And really, one of the only ways you can do that is to do something relatively shocking that is a little bit out of yeah. normal. And that's part of what's here and part of what happens, right? We end up with these shocking kinds of developments because people are trying to make some money or gain attention. But then all of a sudden, it sort of becomes part of the culture in which we find ourselves. Uh, that's right. And and I think that we're just we're deeply confused in terms of sexuality. And we could talk about this for hours and hours. But I think that we see our culture sees sexuality as an opportunity, if not the main opportunity to actualize our personality and to find transcendent meaning. And we know as Christians that God has created our sexuality as a good thing, but it's not the ultimate source of meaning. So we can look at it in the appropriate context and appreciate it in a marital context for what it is, but not be confused about it. Whereas in secular culture, you know, there's this sort of desperate attempt to make it be something bigger than it is. And I think as we look at entertainment in general, I think that's one of the messages you and we were talking about talking with our kids, that we need to be having that conversation with our kids because the secular culture absolutely is having that conversation. Yeah, for sure. There's such a newness bias that happens across so many different walks of life that we sort of give primacy to whatever is new and interesting and different. And hardly ever, right, Adam, do we just say, you know, God's kingdom really has beautiful ideas of how to walk out life in this world where there's actual peace and hope and those God-shaped holes are filled. But we're not, for some reason, what is it about the human condition that we really, even through entertainment, we need to try to keep tapping into that, which is shocking because somehow God's kingdom has become boring. Yeah. Well, I think that we're, we are hardwired by our creator to relate to him. Hmm. And when we throw that out the window, we can't help but seek something else to worship. Yeah. But none of those things are going to get the job done. They're not going to fill that hole inside, which gets back to Augustine. You know, you know, we're restless until we find our rest uh, in thee, yeah. I think is the quote from Augustine. Um, and so, um, you know, we just see the confusion of what happens when you throw out truth. And then we're left with what Judges talks about. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes, his or her own eyes. So um, the Super Bowl is sort of a microcosm of our culture in general. Yeah, I love that quote from Augustine. I remember exactly where I was in the world in my early 20s when I first came across that quote, that my heart is ever restless until it finds its rest in thee. And I was just driven to tears in that moment because it really, it spoke to the human condition of, of stopping to try to 
through the external things of this world, find that peace that I think we, we so desire. Well, Adam, I know that there's a couple other just entertainment pieces that we could touch on at least. I don't think we see anything too seminal in the movie Gretel and Hansel, meaning that it probably is going to disappear into the dustpen of entertainment history, I would guess. Yeah, I know. I would think it'll be in the dustpen probably pretty close to the end of the weekend. <laughs> uh, I saw it last night. Our review will be posted later today. It's all about atmospherics, honestly. Hmm. Uh, I mean, we get we get the core story that we're familiar with, um, and there's a young actress who's beginning to really make a buzz. She was in It. She was in Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. Her name is Sophia Lillis, um, and she's she's really a lovely young actress. I think she is she's 16, and so her character's likable. She's about 16 in this movie. She's taking care of her younger brother. They've sort of put a, a feminist empowerment spin on this. Mm-hmm. So the story is the one you remember right up to the end, and then it goes off in a pretty different direction, you know, in the name of girl power, essentially. Um, and, and it's not as much a horror movie as it is just sort of – well, it is a horror movie, but it's all about atmospherics and, and what they do with set design. But it was pretty forgettable. It's, a, it's 90 minutes I wish I had back. Yeah, well, and with that too, that's it's sort of the wasteland of movies anyway at this time of the year. But I did see that they're interesting, maybe a, a TV streaming show called Picard, obviously yeah. for the Trekkies among us. And I know Paul Perot is one of them. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. So what uh, what are we seeing in this new streaming film? Well, this is uh, Picard Reloaded, only older. Uh, you know, he no longer works for the Federation, but he gets drawn into a mystery of sorts that uh, you know gives him a team of, of different races that we're used to if you are a Trekkie. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a, a, a ragtag motley crew of characters basically trying to solve a mystery with regard to one particular character who seems to have a relationship with Data, who of course was uh, a character on Next Generation, but he's not exactly sure how it all works out. Um, the interesting thing is we watched the first episode last week, and there really wasn't much content. And in our current review, we were pretty positive on it. This week's episode has a ton of content, um, M-rated content, because it's streaming. So you've got F-bombs. You've got some sexual content. And it's just a reminder, you know, from episode to episode, things can really change here. So that's a disappointment. We'll be amending our review on that today mm. um, just to, you know, try to give people the most updated information possible. So, yeah, it, it's another Star Trek show, but it's not like ones you've seen before because they're doing that kind of stuff with it yeah well adam i know with uh, sort of the the dearth of things to watch that might be new on your site pluggedin.com you've got the plugged in movie awards of 2020 yes. including some of the nominees for best christian movies so let me read these through really quickly and i would love your take without maybe revealing anything but what you'd say if somebody missed one of these movies what might be a good one to go back to so we have breakthrough we have jesus is king we have overcomer the Pilgrim's Progress, and the last one, Unplanned. And so, uh, Adam, I confess I haven't seen any of these movies. Is there one you'd say, you know, Peter, you've got to go back this weekend and make sure you catch this one? Well, Unplanned is about abortion, and it's an R-rated movie because of a couple graphic depictions related to that. It's a hard movie. This felt like an important film to me. Uh, And again, it's not not for children. This is not your average Christian movie. Uh, but of these, it's the one that I walked out of and I felt the most moved. I think Breakthrough and Overcomer are more in the traditional Christian movie kind of vein. Pilgrim's Progress is an animated take on that classic tale. And Jesus is King is Kanye West's uh, 
Sunday service choir. It's basically a choir concert in a beautiful setting in Arizona that I think emphasizes God's transcendence in a powerful way. Uh, but I think on that list, for adults, probably uh, Overcomer and, and for your family, or excuse me, Unplanned, and for your family, especially if you have young athletes, I think Overcomer would be the most accessible. That's great stuff. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us. You, uh, before we run here, do you have a Super Bowl pick for the weekend? I don't really oh, have a dog man. in the hunt either. I, I couldn't even remember the teams the other day. So, but do you have a pick for us there this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs with my nose held as a Broncos fan. But <laughs> I just, I can't really get behind the 49ers. But it's about 51-49. So there you go, 49. I get it. Well, I, <laughs> that, was, that was well spotted. Well, thanks for joining us. Great stuff here this morning, as always, here on Mornings with Carmen. And have a great weekend. We'll, I'm sure, catch up next week. Sounds great, Peter. Thanks. We'll take a short break here for some bottom of the hour news as well, a little bit of break point. And when we come back for the last part of the show, we're actually going to talk a little bit of Super Bowl. And we'll talk about not necessarily the game itself or try to break it down from a sports standpoint. But we'll be joined uh, by Drew Province of Upward Sports Ministry. And we're going to talk a lot about the intersection of faith and sports. Pretty interesting to listen to Stone Street comment and sort of the events and the ongoing persecution in China. And it calls to mind a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago, again, with a pastor overseas. I've referenced it before on the show, but uh, he was saying that in the Western world, we're increasingly moving much more towards that kind of time within Christianity. Uh, he called it a post-Christendom world, which we would be, for the first time, Christians find themselves outside of the spheres of social power. And that's the first time in 1,500 years prior to when Constantine went ahead and legalized Christianity as part of the Roman Empire. So his suggestion, as we're thinking about so many of these different topics that we've even covered a bit on the show this morning, is to look back to the old writers of the first and second and third century and how did Christians do their lives when they were in the midst of persecution, when they no longer had the social power that maybe they desired? So pretty thoughtful stuff, as always, from Breakpoint. Appreciate his perspective that he brings here on the show each day. Well, up next on Mornings with Carmen, we'll wrap up our show, the conversation uh, about faith and the Super Bowl and sports and how in the world do we continue to parent our kids when they can be so busy with activities and in various spheres of the sporting, sporting realm. We'll be talking with Drew, uh, Drew Province of Upward Sports about how to best empower and equip families for a life in the world of sports. This is Max Locato. The greatest example of humility is none other than Jesus Christ. Who had more reason to boast than he? Yet he never did. He was utterly reliant upon the Father and the Holy Spirit. What gift are you giving that he did not first give? You love, but who loved you first? You serve, but who served the most? What are you doing for God that he could not do alone? How kind of him to use us, and how wise of us to remember. Stephen remembered. As Stephen's accusers reached for their rocks, he looked toward Christ. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Stephen stood on behalf of Christ, and in the end, Christ returned the favor. This is Max Lucado.
Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for the morning as Carmen is away on holiday and pleased to be joined at this time by Drew Province of Upward Sports Ministry to talk a little bit about the intersection of faith and sports as we anticipate a Super Bowl weekend again here this year. Good morning, Drew. Hey, good morning, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to be with you. I'd be curious as we get started here, just give our listeners a little sense of what you do at Upward Sports and, and kind of what your daily life looks like. Yeah, so Upward Sports, uh, we help church leaders across the country uh, leverage the power of sport to connect with families in their community. And so our, our mission there is to promote the discovery of Jesus through sport. And we work with churches to reach youth and, and young families in their communities. And we see at Upward, uh, sport is, is deeply ingrained into the fabric of our nation. And, uh, and last year alone, you know, we talk about the Super Bowl being on Sunday, 98 million people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. Almost 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. And uh, and so this is one of those cultural events like no other in our country. And and uh, sports and professional athletes, they're often viewed by hero as heroes kind of uh, by our children. And, uh, and so we just see the power that sports has on our country and just a great opportunity to partner with churches and parents to be able to uh, build strong character, to be able to share the love of Jesus with kids all across the uh, the country. You know, when I think about sports and Christianity, Drew, I, my mind immediately goes to sort of the historic organization that I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, and that being FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I, how is the ministry that you do uh, maybe sort of similar to, but also different? I, I'm hearing an emphasis on really using the idea of sport as a platform, um, not necessarily to gather people together, but to help us understand lessons of our faith. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So, um, there's a 2017 report uh, that Aspen Institute did uh, where they showed that more than half of all kids played team sports uh, at least once over the course of the year. And so what we do is we provide team sport opportunities for churches. And so uh, we actually uh, resource and equip uh, from apparel all the way down to curriculum uh, the sport opportunity for a church to provide a team sport. Uh, and so we we uh, set the stage uh, to have a league like basketball leagues and soccer leagues and flag football. And then within that, we provide devotion materials and, and share lessons uh, about faith within that uh, season and in their practices and on game days. And so uh, that that's that's our goal there is to, to leverage that opportunity within sport and in those uh, program opportunities with churches. And I think, Drew, there's a number of stories you and I can get to this morning specifically related to the Super Bowl. There's some great stories of faith emerging from the headlines there, as well as obviously the ongoing Kobe Bryant situation and the fact that the Lakers are playing their first game here this evening before his death and what we can talk with our kids about that. But before we go there, I'd be curious your perspective. It seems to me, and especially being a parent of five kids, that some of whom have been in the sphere of athletics over the past five to seven years or so, that there really has been a shift in our country in terms of the commitment level required to be part of any kind of athletic endeavor these days. It's kind of gone from maybe a seasonal sport playing football or something like that in the fall, then maybe basketball or hockey and the volleyball, maybe in the winter and then track field, golf, baseball, spring. And you could kind of be a multidimensional athlete and be engaged, but boy, the rigors of it, right. For parents and families these days, it's almost a 24 seven commitment. And it seems to me, some of what you can do as your own organization as, as families are even unfortunately, but increasingly skipping out on church uh, that you, you sort of are meeting them where they are right now in the absolute busyness of whatever sport it is that they're engaged with. Exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, it's all consuming at times, like you were saying, with with uh, families going everywhere, getting to each sporting event. And so, why not, as a church or as a parent, get involved uh, in a, in a youth sports program to be able to reach those families where they're at, like you said. 
And, uh, and there's just so many opportunities. Like I said, you're a father and I'm an athlete and a father and a coach. I've just seen how teaching children to view sports through the lens of faith can push kids to pursue Christ, you know, with their whole self. And, uh, and so that's why we're encouraging parents and mentors uh, and church leaders to speak into the victory, the defeat, the joy, the heartbreak to go hand in hand with sport. And, uh, and most of all, to remind kids that, you know, the sport represents so much more than just winning. And, uh, and this week more than ever, you know, the Super Bowl is approaching and the, uh, the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant earlier in the week. Sports are on our minds more than ever. So what a great opportunity to leverage uh, those conversations uh, if you're a parent with your family as well. Yeah. Is there an ongoing theme as you sort of observe the sporting world across the different kinds of sports? So again, whether it's Olympics or whether it's track and field or some of the more popular sports like uh, football and basketball, is there a theme that you see, sort of see running through the experience of being involved in a team sport or an individual sport that you say, these really are where some of the lessons lie in God's kingdom? And even thinking about parents listening right now, where are some things that are on which they could focus on behalf of their kids? Yeah, I think if you look, uh, so a, a great theme uh, within team within team sports, especially, is just every member of the team has value. And even as you think about the Super Bowl this weekend, specifically with football, you know, there's a lot of players on a football team. There's 53, and uh, and and there's many more players on a football team than other, any other sport. And so, in order to win, everybody has to play together, and every single of the team uh, is going to be recognized. If they win the Super Bowl, they all get a Super Bowl ring. And, and the same as if you were on a youth sports team, you, you all win together. And, uh, you know, every every team member matters. And so when you look at even the Super Bowl, you have the, the kicker, you know, somebody that doesn't get a lot of respect until they have to make that game winning kick. And if the, the kicker misses the important field goal, the whole team goes down with him. And if he's able to make the kick, then everyone gets to celebrate together. So really every player on this team is playing a key part to win the game. And I think this translate into this lesson uh, for kids that are on sports teams uh, is that in life with Christ, every single person is part of his family and they have value and worth. And so everyone matters to Jesus. And uh, it talks about, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a passage of scripture that talks about the many parts of the body and how each part is important. And it ends uh, in verse 26. It says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so uh, youth sports and the Super Bowl offer us this great conversation piece about how, how everyone uh, matters in life. Everyone has value. Everyone is playing a part in God's story for humanity. And I think that's one of the key things to pull out of, of those things. And that's great stuff, Drew. We're talking with Drew Province here of Upward Sports about the intersection of faith and our ongoing involvement and participation in the sporting world. And Drew, when we come back here in just a minute, let's get into some of the specific headlines of the day, including some of the stories of athletes and other people involved in the Super Bowl this weekend, as well as what we can anticipate with uh, the Lakers game uh, sort of reemerging out of uh, suspending their games for this week in honor of the death of Kobe Bryant. So stay with us here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be back with more with Drew Province of Upward Sports. I'm smelling coffee. Birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light. You know, Drew, based on our conversation over the break, I had to decide if we we're going to continue with this interview or not, because it turns out you're a supporter of the Atlanta Falcons, and you <laughs> happen to reference and bring up back into my mind and in my soul, dare I say, the meltdown of the Minnesota Vikings, my beloved Purple, in 1998, where your Falcons emerged from that <laughs> NFC Championship game into the Super Bowl. So I, I'm going to have to deal with a little bit of forgiveness, I think, here this morning for you bringing that up. 
Oops, I think we lost him. Oh, did we lose? Uh, we lost Drew. He was yeah, here just a minute ago. On, we'll, we'll dial him back. But, Paul, we were talking during the break. It was just like yesterday. Yeah. That. Well, you know, he, yeah, he brought up some of the, the, the 98 game, the, the championship game that we, the Vikings, just kind of fell apart. Yeah, it was the Gary Anderson miss left. I'm sure some of our listeners uh, are not at all familiar with football and could care less, but some probably remember in stark detail the missed field goal, the running out of bounds, the fumble of the quarterback Dante Culpepper at the end of the half, all of these different things that uh, have led to the the meltdown of the Minnesota Vikings. But I, I appreciate what Drew is bringing up here so far this morning. Just that idea, I know a lot of churches really are uh, struggling for having people come on a Sunday morning because they're so often engaged in athletics. And that just simply wasn't the case back when I was growing up. Do we have Drew back with us at this uh, point? I'm trying to dial him up right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things. There's so many pressures on families and to try to figure out how to not enable not being a part of the church by going to them as they're in the sporting realm, but also to empower and equip parents as they are doing the things with their kids. There are so many lessons to learn. And if we can't necessarily engage with what people actually care about, we might risk missing the boat. So it sounds like we have Drew back with us now here. Good morning, Drew. Hey, Peter. I think we got disconnected for a second. Yeah, you know, I think I must have. See, I was feeling offended at the break that you brought up your (laughs) beloved Falcons beating our Vikings in 1998. But, you know, I have to apologize if you dropped off because of it. That was it. That was it. You, you took me off because of my Falcons fandom. Yes, huge fan of the Falcons. Actually, our Skype computer is a big Vikings fan. and Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, Drew, as an you know, observer, obviously, of sports in the way that you are, there, there are some uh, different stories coming out of Super Bowl weekend here this weekend, and neither one of our teams, of course, are participating. But what do you see and are paying attention to with any of the storylines coming out that does have an idea of how it impacts our faith and maybe some things we can learn from? Yeah, yeah, no, it's an exciting game. You have the Chiefs and the 49ers, uh, two very talented teams throughout the entire season. They've won a lot of games. And uh, I think you look at these two teams and they put in a lot of practice and hard work uh, for about 10 months. They started way back in the summer and their summer practices back in June. And uh, and during those hard practices, you know, the, the Chiefs and the 49ers, they were intentionally preparing for this game. And uh, so it all brings up. Uh, it all comes up to this this big moment, the Super Bowl. And uh, you look at the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, and I think he's one of the hardest workers uh, yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. You know this or not about him, but he gets up at he gets up at 3 a.m. in the morning and uh, five hours before most of the other team members uh, get to the, to the facility, the practice facility, and he spends time preparing and putting in the work. And uh, so I just love the uh, the stages set there. I think there's a there's a lesson too that translates with that. You know, the Bible says uh, in First Corinthians that uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Mm. So run in such a way as to get the prize. And, and it gives us that playbook for winning and uh, and winning is more than what's on the scoreboard. And, you know, the lesson is really that we should live with intentionality to win in our spiritual lives, our physical lives and our social lives. And, uh, and we should live with purpose. And so I see that uh, with both of these teams. I mean, they put in so much work and effort and to get into this game and so much intentionality. It's a great picture of just living with purpose. Mm, that's a hard thing to do as a coach, isn't it? To try to convince your athletes that are part of your team that really performing with excellence is where you can take your pride in from that which you can learn as opposed to winning and losing. Because at the end of the day, it's we remember the winners. I mean, you and I were just laughing about the fact that we remember that the Falcons won and the Vikings yeah. lost. And so what is what is the challenge of keeping your athletes focused or your kids focused on the idea of really truly do the best you can? It's not a cliche. Perform with excellence. And if you you, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Is that is there a way to, to give that message where it doesn't land hollow at the end of the day? 
Yeah, I think there is. And it's all in perspective, too. So even as a coach or even as a parent, uh, just with young athletes, if you keep it in perspective, just the reality that, you know, even though you've put so much work and effort into this big game, ultimately the Super Bowl trophy and the championship, it's not going to define you. It's not going to last forever. Uh, it's going to fade away over time. And uh, it's the pinnacle of sport. It's the biggest stage, but it still fades. Like I have personal experience seeing this. My dad actually played in the NFL and he played for the Falcons and he played for the Broncos and he was in the Super Bowl with the Broncos and uh, they played the 49ers in 1990 and uh, they got smoked by <laughs> Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. And uh, it was near the end of his career and it was you know a big moment for him. But even though you know he was an NFL player and he played at the highest level and his legacy and, and accolades that he received, all of those are finite to him. And, and the real reward for him is living for God. And as a Christian, mm. that's our real reward. And, uh, and, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, he talks about how everyone competes in games and they go into strict training and they do it to get a crown that will not last. Uh, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so you don't want to run aimlessly. You don't want to fight. Uh, you know, you don't want to fight like a boxer that beats air. And so the Super Bowl is such a massive accomplishment. Winning and being focused is important to getting to that. But in perspective, it just pales in comparison to the eternal reward that we have. And so as a Christian coach and as a good leader, I think it's always good to keep things in perspective as yeah. well. You want to drive people to the goal, but, but keep it in perspective, uh, especially as you're talking to the young athlete. Yeah, that's great. Drew, we have just about a minute left here, and I see that uh, tonight Kobe Bryant will be back in the headlines after the shocking death uh, that happened last Sunday with the Lakers resuming their play um, in the NBA. Is there anything that you see in that that we could talk with our kids about? Yeah, that's it's such a tragic uh, experience that, that occurred with Kobe and the, the eight other people that were in the crash. And and uh, I saw this the other day. There were three other there were three 13 year old girls in yeah. the crash, including Kobe's daughter. And when I think about that, and especially if our ki kids see that, you know, it's an incredibly tragic occurrence that reminds one that, you know, it, you're never too young to make a life changing decision for Christ. We don't know the number of days that we have. We yeah. do not know when our time is up, and uh, and popularity and age has has is not something that that we know when it's all, when it's all going to end. That's not going to save us from the end of, end of life, and it's you know it's so tragic what occurred. But that was one of the things that stuck out was just man, you know, three thirteen year old girls along with Kobe uh, in that crash. Yeah, absolutely devastating. Well, thanks for joining us, Drew. If PF listeners want to find your work, is there a place they can go to see more about what you're up to? Yeah, if you guys are, are interested, go to upward.org. Love it. Thanks for joining us, Drew. We'll uh, be cheering on none of our home teams this weekend, but it'll be interesting to watch the Super Bowl and looking forward to catching up again here soon. All right, Peter. Thanks. We'll take a short break and wrap up our show for Mornings with Carmen here on the 31st of January. You know, Paul, one of the themes that seemed to be again running through the show this morning that I appreciated, and Drew did such a good job of highlighting that as well, is that, yes, we do participate and we're part of the things of this world, but Boy, are we, we're such, uh, we're part of such a big story and a long story. There's so many people that have gone before, that have written before, that have thought about the faith before, that have said yes to God's kingdom before. I think about the passage that we started the show with of trust in, in the Lord with all your heart and mm -hmm. lean not in your own understanding. And there have been thousands and thousands and millions of people that have said that same yes. And Drew is among them, and he's able to then bring a perspective to sports from that standpoint. Yeah, we were talking beforehand about 
you know, how we like to be individualistic here in America, but the right. reality is we desire to be part of a community and part of something bigger. And yeah, well, being part of a you know, fan base for a football team is cool. Right. There's something so much bigger. Oh, there's something so much bigger. And so thanks for listening again this morning, whether you're listening out of Fargo, North Dakota, or Bismarck, or Sioux Falls, Waterloo, Iowa, Hartford, Connecticut, anywhere in the listening audience, even streaming through an app somewhere around the world, you are part of a big story. And as you're doing your day, today, whether it's going to work or getting your kids off to school or sitting back uh, as a grandparent and uh, thinking about engaging later in the day with friends and other family, just remember that your identity and your sense of self is part of being a child of God in his beautiful kingdom. And we're all saying yes to trusting him together, come what may, and regardless of what comes, for his kingdom knows no end and that tomb is empty. There is always hope and always future. Catch you again soon here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.